If you're a veteran or military spouse of an early stage startup or small business and feel like you're making it up as you go, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to The Transition, where we demystify the entrepreneurial experience for veterans and military spouses who've already made or looking to make the transition from the military into entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the voice of the bunker. I'm a Marine Corps veteran, social entrepreneur, and member of the Bunker Lads branding team. On today's episode of The Transition, I'm joined by Army veteran and VR alumni Donnell Johns, founder of Veterans Growing America, a company that provides a platform for veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs to showcase and grow their businesses. By partnering with local, state, and federal organizations, VGA is able to conduct local events and marketing programs to increase engagement with the veteran business community. Anyone who knows me personally knows that I have a soft spot for makers. Those of you out there creating products out of your own homes, such as soap, jewelry, and even food. There's just something about the entrepreneurial spirit of makers, and I've been geeked to hear about the platform VGA is building to support you all, giving access to what I feel like is an underserved group in the broader veteran entrepreneurial ecosystem. On the show, Donnell and I discuss how he was able to bring Veterans Growing America into fruition, his experience in and leading the DC VIR, and his plans for taking the VGA platform to cities all across America. Before you hear from Donnell and I, be sure to subscribe to the Transition Newsletter at the link in the show notes. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or in the newsletter, shoot me an email at mike.stepman at bunkerlabs.org or message me directly on LinkedIn. This episode of The Transition is brought to you by MetLife Foundation and their commitment to supporting veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. In addition, MetLife Foundation provides mentorship and financial health resources to veterans and military spouses transitioning into the workforce. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's show and that accelerates you on your own entrepreneurial journey. Donnell, welcome to The Transition. Man, it was a pleasure having you on Bunker Office Hours uh, last week, and I was so fired up because I was like, man, we got to get this story out about veterans growing America, and I knew I had to get you on the podcast. So welcome, brother. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm, it's, a, it's a blessing, honor to be here. So, Donnell, let's jump right in and have you introduce yourself uh, to our audience. Let them know what you've got going on at uh, Veterans Growing America out in uh, Virginia. And by the way, you have a very strong reputation amongst the Bunker Lab uh, veterans and residents down there in uh, D.C. They speak very highly of you. Well, that's awesome. I mean, I I, I had a great class. Um, we had some great leadership in that class, and it was an honor to be a part of those uh, those those leaders man and I, I really appreciate you know being a part of bunker labs it's it's good to be with amongst you know people that are in that are going in the same direction as you so i loved it so my name is donnell johns um, i'm the founder and ceo of veterans growing america and what we do is we spotlight veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs through events and technology uh, we're best known for our now our veteran business pop-up shop, the first of its kind in the United States that we have in Woodbridge, Virginia. And uh, I'm happy to showcase, you know, not only the veterans and military spouses of Virginia, but people have driven throughout the United States to come and, and, and feature their products and services at our storefront. That's awesome, man. You know, for me, um, like I said, on office hours, I have a special place in my heart for the maker community. There's just something about that DIY, you know, um, trying to come up with a, a business idea in your kitchen or wherever else, going to your first pop-up, you know, making it real, throwing that, uh, hanging that shingle up. 
Um, and I feel like in a lot of the entrepreneurial kind of education spaces I find myself in, I see less emphasis and educations, particularly around the maker community, which is why I'm excited to have you on the podcast, because I know that is a large percentage uh, of our audience. And, you know, here in New York City, my girlfriend's a maker. I'm always going out to pop ups and experiencing that community. And I think it's so dope that you're doing that and building a platform um, for the veteran entrepreneurial and military spouse community. No, thank you so much. Um, I really enjoy being around people that have a product. I mean, because they have a passion for that product and they can tell you everything about it. Uh, one of my favorite stories is about a guy that makes wood, right? He, he cuts the wood in such a way that it self heals itself. I mean, when you're cutting on that cutting board and it's his and it heals, I didn't know wood can heal after it, it's been cut up and then glued together. Uh, I mean, these are pretty, pretty very cool stories. What got you into, uh, well, actually we're gonna talk about that when we, we dive into your story. First, we gotta take off our armor before I jump into that. So obviously, you know, it's not easy uh, running a maker's uh, marketplace, essentially is what you're doing, right? Because you've got the in-person pop-ups, right? You've got the technology that you're leveraging um, and there's a lot of responsibility. So if you wouldn't mind taking off your armor and letting our listeners know something that you're struggling with uh, personally or professionally, uh, leading veterans growing America. Well, the, the main thing I'm struggling with is tackling three audiences. You know, it's getting people fired up about coming to see us, and then it's getting people, you know, fired up to the vendors. And then, you know, it's also working in the background, you know, making sure that my customers are happy on both ends. That's tough, you know, and marketing, the, you know, marketing uh, Veterans Growing America to all three audiences all at the same time, it's pretty tough. And then also, you know, my team, having a team in the background that, you know, is there to support and make sure that, you know, they hold up their end of the bargain. I mean, it's, it's a lot of stuff going on um, to include, now I have a, a, a fourth customer, which is the leasing company where my building is, you know, so, it's a lot of it's a lot of things that you have to juggle all at once and you got to have tough skin and, you know, just really be able to handle all of those things all at once. Tell us about uh, one of your most challenging days where you were just like, man, I don't know if I can keep going on. <laughs> oh, man, I'm, I'm actually in the middle of that right now. Um, our air conditioning went out and it was like 90 plus degrees um, in the storefront. And I could just see, you know, one of my vendors, she's uh, almost 70 years old and she was in the back and she was sweating selling her products, you know, and she was making money at the same time, but just being in there and having to deal with the electronic, you know, the, the AC going out while I'm, uh, you know, trying to, you know, stir customers in here in 90 degree weather was, was pretty crazy. Yeah, that's one of them days you just gotta keep pushing. And I'll man. tell you, man, my, uh, so, you know, you go to these pop-ups, right? You see all the makers, they got the beautiful branding and everything. And it's like amazing. If you go to a really nice pop-up, like in New York, you know, they've got drinks and food and all this other stuff. And, but when you start dating a maker, right, you see what goes on once all the crowd and stuff is left. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like a lot of work, you know, moving to get that stuff set up, breaking it down. You talk to makers, you're like, where are you keeping your product? It's under their bed. 
You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it, it's packed in closets. And so that's what I was saying before about like on the front end, everyone sees these kind of nice pop-ups and everything. But behind the scenes, I mean, it's a big commitment for people, particularly when you're starting to prep, you know, uh, the week of, right? You got to get your product ready. You're working a full-time job. All this stuff is going on, man. So I feel for you and I feel for the entrepreneurs out there that are listening um, that go through this. And so for me, you know, I'll go ahead and take off my armor. And I'm curious to hear how you think about this too. One thing as entrepreneurs that is very challenging for us is to always focus on the present and not get anxious about the future, you know? Cause you know, you need new customers, you need revenue, you need all this other stuff. And sometimes I find myself, you know, when I take my eyes off the prize, right? And I lose focus, I'll start worrying about stuff in the future that ain't even happened yet, you know? Right. So I guess that's anxiety, right? Like people say, but for me, it's something I always got to find that balance at because I have no, I mean, I, there's nothing you can do about it right now, per se, right? I mean, let me take that back. I'm rephrase that. Worrying about it leads to nothing. The best right. thing you can do is focus on what you can do right now. So in my case, right, whenever I'm worrying about revenue, get new customers and stuff, just kind of stick to the plan. We got a process here on the back end at Ironbound about how we do targeted reach out to warm prospects, how we create content, how we do all that other stuff. Um, and so focusing in on that instead of worrying about the other stuff. And I'm wondering if you can relate can relate to that, um, too. You know, when your mind starts wondering how you get refocused. So, no, I, I definitely um, it's a trip that you said that because I heard this saying, you know, once that if you're worried about what's going on in the past, I mean, you know, worried about what's going on in the, in the future um, that causes, you know, stress. And I just stopped worrying about that. And I just start worrying about what what can we do now? to make sure that tomorrow's better. And I really just take time out to use what I learned in the military to solve all of that. And I use this process called the AAR, the after action review, after every time we do an event. And I ask myself what went well, and I go down the list of what went well, very, like I go straight down that list until I run out of stuff that went well. And that tells me all of the great things that we did. And then my not so well, Hopefully that's shorter the next time, you know? And then I figure out, okay, how can I improve the next time? Because if I think about all of the stuff that went wrong first, it would, it would, mess, with my, it would mess with my insides, you know? Because I, I look for perfection, but perfection is not real. I'm a human being and everybody that's out there is a human being. So how do we look at how, how can we get better and how can I make sure that, you know, we work on all the small things that um, can make things better, you know, at the end of the day. But I just I just focus on all the positive stuff, really. You know, it's funny. I just got done reading. I'm almost done with this book called The Art of Impossible. And one of the things it talks about is the importance of gratitude. Right. Yes. And uh, uh, meditation to practice uh, self-awareness um, and journaling. Right. So kind of like reflecting on our thoughts. And what's crazy is. We know we should be doing these things, right? And then you'll start doing them and you'll feel the, you know, you'll feel the, uh, the results of it. You've been in this real positive space. But the thing is, you got to do it on your worst day, you know, not yeah. when stuff is clicking. When you have a miserable day, you still need to be thankful. You still need to meditate. You still need to reflect on your thoughts. And so that's something I'm just being kind of cognizant of because I don't know, man, it's just like every day there's just so much coming at us in terms of, running the ventures, our personal life, our health and wellness, all these different aspects. And it's like, how do we prioritize making sure we're
taking care of ourselves um, so we can show up and perform. Because as you know, as in the military, right, especially being leaders, when we're not taking care of ourselves, there's no way we can lead, you know, those sailors and Marines and uh, young soldiers out there. Absolutely. And this morning, I woke up and ran for the first time in about three months. It really? wasn't fast, but I said, you know what? I need to build time in my schedule to take care of myself. Um, the moment, so we've only been at the pop-up shop now for about a month. And I've been going nonstop stop for this whole month. And I said, you know what, Donnell? Take time to take care of yourself. Now I understand the battle rhythm of what we need to, to do at the storefront. And I'm gonna build in my calendar, me time. And I have to block out, you know, certain things when I, I'm, I got, I'm ADD, I'm dyslexic <laughs> and all kind of stuff, but that's no excuse, right? I have to figure out how can Donnell build time for himself to move forward. And I said, you know what, I'm getting up this morning, I'm running, in fact, I'm gonna run every day or do some type of exercise every day so I can take care of my mental because what I figured out when I ran this morning is the things that I was worried about or the things that I needed to work out. It gave me time and space to be able to think about those things in a positive way. And I, I didn't worry about them anymore after that run. And plus it, it also worked on my cardio system. So I was good. Yeah, man. I, I just recorded an episode on that. I titled it, make sure you're taking care of yourself. And I talked about, you know, how physical exercise can just be that natural endorphin, you know, shake us out of that fog. Whenever you're feeling overwhelmed, anxious, man, just go work out, man. You feel a lot better. Um, and this is why we got this platform, y'all. We're leveling up, man, because I know the reality of what y'all are facing out there as entrepreneurs because I'm facing it too. Donnell's facing it too. And so to have a community where we can come around each other and be vulnerable and talk about this stuff, that's why this kind of platform is so important. And even Bunker Labs, which brought us here today um, and allows mm -hmm. us to do this show, which is a national network of veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs dedicated to helping our community start and grow successful businesses. And Donnell, how did you get connected with Bunker Labs? So I actually got connected through through Chris McPhee. Um, he was a, uh, I think it was like 20, I don't know what class he was in, but I met Chris McPhee at the uh, Military Influencer Conference. And he told me about Bunker Labs. I was like, that's pretty cool. And then he had just got selected to be in the Veteran in Residence program. And I was like, that's cool as well. And, and so I used to go down to the uh, Veterans in Residence program while he was still in it and just hung out with him because I wanted to be around like-minded individuals. And they actually thought I was in, the, in Bunker Labs um, in, his, in his cohort, but I wasn't. And I applied for the next time. In fact, I applied four times and I was denied three times because they thought I was already in the VIR. How did you go from, you know, um, getting connected with Bunker Labs to being a, were you the ambassador? Were you the city leader down there? Is that how you ended up being in charge of that VR? Or was it alumni so, captain? So I'm an alumni captain because I was in a VIR 22 um, Alpha that just recently uh, ended. Um, so to go back a little bit, when I, while I was in VIR 22 Alpha, um, I helped out a lot of you know entrepreneurs every time we had our calls or whatever. I just, whatever information that I had, I shared it with the team. And uh, I was asked by Gary Odom to be um, alumni captain for the next class. 
because he felt like, you know, I, I added value to our, uh, our members down there. And, you know, I graciously accepted because I love being around, you know, like-minded individuals and I love seeing people grow. And if I could be a part of that, man, that, that makes my day more than anything else. But it's, I find it fascinating, right, that your cohort speaks very highly of you. And as someone that's been in that position, I know, like, we're still figuring out ourselves. You know, yes. so now we're in charge yeah. of all these other entrepreneurs. You know, honestly, that was one of the things that um, inspired me to continue my learning beyond just like, you know, educating myself about succeeding my own venture. But I wanted to be educated because I found I, I viewed myself as a super connector. So when I was responsible for the VR cohort in New York City, I needed to know about all these different technologies and different business models out there so I could help and provide value, you know, to the, the VR members. Um, talk to us about how you thought about like, hey, I'm still just figuring this stuff out myself, but I'm in this leadership role. People are looking towards me. How did you balance that? So I retired as a command sergeant major and I realized that my power was in my people. And if you surround yourself with great people, they can do great things. And the one thing that I had to learn is to be vulnerable and figure out that I don't know everything and if I'm able to rely on those people around me, we could all be great. You know, that's why we give people, you know, specific positions because those guys can specialize in those positions. And so if we have a team of individuals, those individuals that specialize in things, if you allow them to shine in that position, they're more than likely to take you or your business to the next level. And so I'm okay with being an alumni captain and asking a question, hey, I, I have this issue right now how do I solve it? Because there's somebody else that's in there that can learn, number one, by if he could ask questions, I could ask questions. If he doesn't have it all figured out, it's okay that I don't have it all figured out. And so I'm okay with uh, being a part. First of all, I'm, I'm grateful that I was asked to be a part of it because someone felt that I added value. And then secondly, I get, I learn a lot from other people around me as well. And I'm in that constant learn mode. I, fig I, I, I figured out that, you know what? I don't know it all. And every time I elevate to, a, to the next level, there's even more that I don't know. And so if I can surround myself with like-minded individuals that may know a little bit more than me or some stuff that I don't know, then, it, then it's a win-win for all of us. Absolutely, man. And you know, that brings me to my next point. Take us back. How did you become an entrepreneur in the first place? I mean, what made you decide, you know, to get out the military and say, raise my hand, hang my shingle and say, I'm going to, you know, build this platform for veterans all across the country? Wow. So I, I retired in 2016 and I knew that I didn't want to um, get a job. Uh, I was uh, I was in recruiting and recruiting allowed, you know, specific freedoms to do certain things the way that you wanted to do it. And the only way that I would have those specific freedoms is if I would start my own business. And I actually tried to get a job um, for about a month and it didn't work out. I couldn't do it. Um, it was at the position that I retired at, uh, I saw some things that I couldn't you know, tolerate and I couldn't be a part of. And so I said, you know what? I got to leave this and I got to do my own thing. And uh, I started a leadership consulting firm. 
And at leadership consulting firm, I was able to transform leaders um, in the military. I was also able to transform leaders in the government space and it was outstanding, but I still wasn't getting what I needed, um, which was that community. And I went to several different places um, and they didn't provide that community that we were missing, that I was missing in the military. I think there's a big difference between education and an execution of education. And I saw that these educational institutions that were teaching people how to do business, they were right. But once you take that business plan and you, you try to put that business plan to work, you know, it's, it's kind of like boxing. You can punch that, punch that punching bag all day long, but when there's somebody punching back, it's a totally different thing. Right. And that's what happens in the business world is, is you're out here by yourself in that ring and that person's punching back and there's no coaches out there. There's nobody to, to help you. And I was just like, how can I create a space for like-minded individuals to be able to start their business that already have a business and they can sell their products and get customer feedback and make money at the same time. And then we could all communicate and collaborate together to win and basically build those relationships you need in order to succeed. What made you discover the makerspace? I mean, did you know when you were launching Veterans uh, Growing America that that would be your target market? Initially, no. Um, until I started you know, putting it out there and asking people to be a part of this space. And then I, I started getting flooded with people that had products. And I was like, I wanted this to be products and services. And then I realized that People are coming to buy something and they want to buy, you know, specific things and take it out the door with them. And so I had to make sure that I had at least a 80-20 split when it came to product and services. And I wanted to make sure that my customer was happy every time they walked in the door. So that's one of the things that, that made me think about it. And then our customer changed immediately after the pandemic. So mm. our customer, we were right in front of, we did this in the civilian space. Uh, at a coffee house in Manassas was our first one. Our second one was at a fire station in, uh, in Woodbridge, Virginia that got canceled by the pandemic. And then we partnered with uh, the Rosie Network and they introduced us to the Army and Air Force Exchange. Well, with the Army and Air Force Exchange, they only allow um, businesses that sell a product. And so that's how I ended up in the makerspace because they said, hey, look, these are the only type of people that can vend here, which are product-based vendors. And it made me really just focus in on product-based vendors. Now, when you started this, were you thinking a for-profit business or was a non-profit? Talk to us about the business model and how you were able to get it off the ground. So initially, um, the fastest thing that I was able to do was a for-profit business. Um, the nonprofit business, I didn't know anything about that. I didn't know how to start it. And so uh, it was based off of ignorance, to be honest with you, um, as far as, you know, starting a nonprofit. Um, eventually, we're going to be a nonprofit or we're going to have a nonprofit arm. But right now we're a for profit business. And how do you generate revenue? So we re generate revenue based off of uh, renting our table space. So you charge the makers um, for the space um, and then that's how you earn it? Absolutely. And what about initial funding? Did you have to come out of pocket just to get it going? 
Absolutely. <laughs> yes, I did. I had to come out of pocket uh, a, pr a pretty substantial amount. Um, but at the same time, uh, it wasn't it was substantial to me because I was just now starting out. Um, it wasn't if you look at business as a whole, it wasn't a lot of money, but I, it was a substantial amount you know, that I had to come out. You know, I think about me growing up, right? Like everything was such a big financial burden to us. You know, if my mom got in a car wreck or something and we had to pay $500 uh, deductible or something, it was like borderline devastating, you know? Cause we, I just didn't grow up in an environment where people had hundreds of dollars around, thousands of dollars. Now I find myself as an entrepreneur spending, you know, $3,000 here, $5,000 there. Um, and so, you know, I do think it is like, it. You, for some people, it might not seem like a lot, but man, that's a lot of money when you're coming out of pocket, you know, to, to launch these businesses when you don't know um, 100% whether or not things are going to work out. And that's one thing I'm always coaching entrepreneurs on is like, listen, man, you got to create the future for yourself. You know, the future you want right now doesn't exist, right? You've got to will it into existence. And sometimes that means taking some risk and investing in yourself and investing in your business but it's something i find so hard to like teach because people want this like sure bet on their money you know what i mean <laughs> good luck with that i mean if you don't invest in yourself if you don't invest in your business it's going to stay where it's it it's going to stay where it's at it's going to stay stagnant you know there's sometimes you know my vendors come out and they don't make anything and what, what I tell them is you actually made a lot today. You just don't know it because of the relationships that you uh, build. I'm going to give a perfect example, especially with, uh, with what we're doing right now. I'm going to use my, one of my examples. So the pop-up shop. It's a huge investment. But when you have a four-star general walk into your office, which is my pop-up shop, and says that and says he wants to do a book signing there. That's huge. That's huge. And to be able to leverage his network to bring people to our space will take our organization to the next level. But if I didn't invest in that space, then it didn't it didn't it wouldn't allow for a space for this four star general to walk into our office and want to do business with us. I know how hard it is to brick and mortar, right? I've been running my boxing gym since 2016. I mean, you live there damn near, right? When you're first getting it going. Um, but when I think about like makers, guys like yourself, you know, you start to invest in that physical pace. That's more overhead for your business, right? So talk to us about why you were like, we need to take advantage of this opportunity um, and how you're thinking about leveraging it beyond, like you said, just the book signing and stuff, but like, you know, that's a, I feel like that's a lot of added pressure, you know, when you're already kind of hustling and scraping pennies to keep things going. So when people walk into the space, it tells a story. And it tells a story that's not being told right now about our community. And when people think about our community, they think about PTSD, suicide, and homelessness. That's what they think about. That's not the information that we put out and that's not the information that we were raised with. It's none of that information. But when they walk through the doors of Veterans Growing America and they see these entrepreneurs there, here's what they see. They see leaders, they see human beings, and they see entrepreneurs. 
And when we're able to change the narrative and to be able to change the lives of the people that are walking through the door and the people that are in the doors there, that's huge. In addition to that, we're able to solve another problem for them, which is community. And most of these entrepreneurs are in business by themselves. But when they're with Veterans Growing America, they're in business not by themselves. They're in business for themselves, but not by themselves anymore. Because now they have like-minded individuals that they can trust. In addition to that, they have access to information that they didn't know about, like Bunker Labs, you know, like the IVMF, like other information out there that's, that, that's very important to their growth and success. And when I see this and, and have this in one space and people can physically see it and they can physically feel it, I'm able to replicate this in different locations throughout the United States and be able to save more lives throughout the United States. And so this is the first of many pop-up shops that you'll see. And in addition to that, there's networking that's going on. There's relationships that are being built with our community because we're looking at business, education, employment, and resources that they may not have been able to find. And if I'm able to tie that all together for them in a physical space and a virtual space, there's a huge win for our community in so many different ways. And that's just to give you a sneak peek of what we have going now, but what our collaboration with you know, organizations like Bunker Labs, because you guys have a community. I'm saying you guys, like not, I'm not a part of it. We have a community uh, of people that are working together, but we need this community to continue to grow and, and, and for people to see us at, a, at another level because it helps us out in so many different ways. You know, I'm always fascinated uh, by how underlooked, overlooked, sorry, overlooked the maker space is. You know, because when you start talking about community-based, like economic development, right, free enterprise, right, that's like the basics, you know, because a lot of people are not going to have money to raise. They're not going to have the network to raise venture capital. Not everybody is going to have a venture-backable tech startup. But in every community across this country, you got makers making products, right? Somebody told them, hey, girl, you should sell your cookies you know, you should bake your pies, you should make this, you should sell your coffee, your tea, da 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 right? And, you know, you see them at these events, and I'm always wondering, like, why are we not amplifying this more? You know, and the big lift for a lot of the community is access to space, right? So, like, in New York City, there's this one called Grand Bazaar, where they utilize a local, like, elementary school, right, on the weekends to have these pop-ups on Sundays, and I think that's really dope. And I've always thought, like, yo, we need that in Newark, we need stuff like that in Virginia. And the, the fact that like you've identified this as an opportunity, particularly around veterans, I think is great because I even go back to my first like Bunker Labs event. I think it was like a Bunker Brews back in the day or whatever. Um, or it was, uh, it wasn't a Bunker, I went to a Bunker Brews and then I think it was the Summit or forget whatever they used to call it back in the day. And I remember going and seeing those little tables and those pop-ups and it made it real for me of like, man, what does it take to do that? What, you know, you can really make something out of thin air, right? And then I think about how when veterans start going to your space, 
they probably start to see what's possible in their own mind. So you make it real. So, you know, I think it's super dope uh, what, what you're doing. Now, as a leader, right, you're in there, you're looking at the makers, you're seeing what challenges and stuff they're facing. And I'm sure you've kind of had to develop your own kind of coaching and your own curriculum to help them succeed because it is kind of devastating when somebody spends all week prepping for an event, getting excited, and they go in there and they don't make any sales. So talk to us about how you're positioning your makers for success, whether through programming, you know, just your own insights. What are you seeing as the biggest needs for the space? You know, let us know. So the first thing that we do um, before we have any event is we tell them how to set themselves up for success. We build the we build the stage and say, OK, before you step in here, these are the these are the basic things that you need. You know, we tell them where to stand, how to how to address people as they're coming in how to continue to um, reach that customer after they leave, even though they're not in the space. And then we also create a space for them to come back and, and, and really sell their products. It's, it's so cool to see the growth of individuals go from sitting behind the table at a pop-up event to having their products in a store. You know, it, it blows my mind, you know, just seeing there was one, uh, one young lady that came in and she was just like, I want to be able to sell my soaps, you know? And I was like, okay, cool. This is what you need to do first. Before you come in here, you need to look like you have quality products, not just a, a blank table. This is what you need to look like. This is how you need to set it up. These are the things that you need to purchase before you come in here. And we tell them how much product to put on the table. We tell them not to overwhelm their customers, you know? We tell them, you know, ask their customers what they're looking for and how to, you know, how to support all of that. It, it's a it's a process. But at the same time, we also use the other vendors that are in there to be able to sell their products for them because they usually buy from each other. And then once that vendor comes to one of their tables, they also send a person over to another table saying, hey, I bought these products over here. You ought to check those out. And they market each other's products. Yeah, so one of the things I'm always telling entrepreneurs I'm coming across is don't overwhelm your customers by having 10, 15 different products, right? It's like going to a diner and the menu is like, you know, they have that like 10-page diner menu. There's all this stuff there. I feel like that's a nightmare to have supplies on hand to prep all that food. When you're a bootstrap maker, you don't got, you know, you don't have enough money and resources to create all these different products. So I always recommend like three you know, sell like three, no more than five. And I wouldn't even go to five personally, but just sell like three products, get some feedback, that market-based feedback, figure out what's selling, what's not selling, and really hone it in. And also give them advice to really create a story around each individual product, you know? So not just like, oh, this is our soap. I would say this is our, you know, I don't know, give it a name, you know? This is our smell good soap. Oh, tell me more about the smell good. Yeah, you talk about how you, you know, come out the field and you, you're, you're stressed or whatever and you need this to feel good, feel reflect, uh, relaxed, et cetera. So that's one thing. The other thing I'm curious to know, have you seen makers be successful at transitioning from the majority of revenue coming through the pop-ups via online, you know? So it's like, that's this dream, right? Become a direct-to-consumer brand, Right. You use the makerspace. I mean, use the pop up to drive revenue, get those email signs up, send traffic to the website. But a lot of makers, they never make it out of the pop ups. Right. They had these dreams of wanting to drive revenue through the website. 
but they're not able to make it happen? No. So we've had several. I, I tell them, that, you know, you got to build a relationship with your customer no matter what. And we asked our um, our vendors, if you have an Instagram page or a Facebook page, connect them with your page. So that way you constantly stay in front of those people. And once they stay in front of those people, they can continue to sell their products. And we had one vendor that went from a table to an online store and then also selling their products to the WNBA. And those were all through relationships that they made in a veteran space. Is there anything you think makers are getting wrong with regards to sales? Because I have my opinions and I'm curious to hear yours. Um, I think some of them try to sell the product instead of themselves first. Uh, people, people buy people first because they can get products. I mean, you could buy anything on Amazon within seconds. And right. so they have to they have to have they have to understand their story and they have to understand why they built their product and why their product is important. Our top salespeople are always the ones that are able to tell that story around, you know, why they created the product. And once they understand, once the people understand why they created the product, they're more fascinated and they'll buy that product from them even faster. You know what that says to me? That's branding, right? Really uh, creating your brand's why, you know, who you serve, right? What separates you from the competition? What differentiates you? And packaging that um, into a story. And a lot of veteran entrepreneurs make the mistake of not spending enough time of really building out that brand, that why they exist. And that's why when you get in front of a customer, you're raggedy because you haven't done the grunt work on that. One mistake I see makers making is that they they utilize, they over rely on social media for sales. Now you said something different. You said social media is to stay top of mind and build a relationship with your audience. When I talk to makers, I'm like, what are you doing to drive sales? They're posting on social media. And my thing is like, look, that's not the same thing, especially when you don't know who your perfect customer is, right? You're still trying to figure it out. I tell makers, man, get on the phone, go talk to people, go see people, get in front of people and try to sell your product, right? And use your social media channels, like you said, as that nourishment um, function. Absolutely. I mean, that that's so, if you don't, if you don't get to know people, you got to go know, like, trust. Well, know, it takes a little while to get to know people. But once they get to know you, they'll like you and then they'll trust you. But it takes several different times. And if you're not in front of your customer, either through social media, through email, through text messaging, you don't have time to build that relationship. And that's what it's all about, is building those relationships that can open that door. Because you never know... Where you are, who they're going to introduce you to, and that and that person can introduce you to somebody that can change your life or change your business. So as you start looking towards the future with veterans growing America, talk to us about your BHAG, that big, hairy, audacious goal. You know, what are you trying to accomplish long term? What's your why? I would love to build a community of veteran entrepreneurs and a place for veteran entrepreneurs to sell their products in every city. I would love for a place in every city where people go, you know what, let's shop at this veteran store and get these veteran products. And when I say veteran, I'm thinking the entire military family. 
the veteran, the military spouse, and the, and the dependent, because they all serve, you know? Um, and so when you walk in the doors of Veterans Growing America, you'll see all three of those people at, uh, in my, in my pop-up shop. And, and I want America to, you know, basically think and shop veteran first. And when they see Veterans Growing America on the door, they will understand that these individuals are, are leaders within the community and they want to shop with them you know, to find something that they want, as well as a great uh, a great product that um, the veteran has to offer. So that's my big thing is I, I want to be everywhere in every big and major city and a place where people want to go and support our community. Because when they say thank you for your service, this is a way, a, a true way that they can thank us for our service is by patronizing our community and our businesses, and then they get something back for it. You know, it's not, you know, a handout. It's actually, you know, a hand up and also a way that they can feel good about where their money's going. So let's break this down. What's your next three to five moves to make this happen? Well, the first move is to make sure that this first one is what I need it to be. The next move after that is developing that model to be able to do it every place. Um, the third move I gotta figure out. I don't know what that is yet. <laughs> I don't know what it is yet. Um, but right now I'm in, I'm, I'm really honing in on how do we make this right? Um, where we're, we're, we're providing a space, a place and a location um, for these individuals, our community to grow. Love it, man. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on. Before we let you go, I got a couple more questions. Number one, what advice would you like to leave our listeners with as they continue on their own entrepreneurial journey? And number two, as a community, how can we help support and elevate the work you're doing with Veterans Growing America? My biggest advice um, to our community is be open to knowing that you don't know everything. Don't be too, how do I wanna say this? Don't let your ego get in front of your dreams and be humble and be able to ask for help. I created an acronym, help is holistically elevating life's potential. And so if you're able to ask for help, uh, you never know uh, who's going to open those doors. And so find someone that's on the same journey as you that is doing, doing it at the level that you want to do it and ask for help and see what happens. What was that second question? How can we help support you? Wow. It's very simple. If you see anything that Veterans Growing America is putting out, share it and tag somebody in it. Um, because more than likely the information that we're sharing is, is about a veteran or military spouse or a dependent small business. And by you liking and sharing that, we'll help that business grow. And follow us on all social media platforms. Um, that will really help us amplify our voice. Uh, that way we can help out more people. Donnell, we got to keep you close, my brother. Me and him have been seeing each other. It's funny how in this community, right, just through the online space, 
you never really get to sit down and talk to people, but you see each other, right? So I've been seeing you. I've been kind of following you. And this is the first time we've actually gotten to sit down and chop it up outside of office hours. But, man, let's not make this the last time. So I'm proud of what you all, you all are doing down there um, in uh, the D.C. area uh, with Veterans Growing America. Like I said before, I'm excited to be able to come down either in person or do it virtually, do a brand class um, for um, your entrepreneurs. And uh, let's keep elevating this platform in the bunker community because I think there's a lot of opportunity for you to educate our community about makers and the difference between building a maker DIY business versus building a venture-backed um, tech startup and even small business, right? Like there's a lot of overlap, but each space has its own kind of nuances to it. And now with you in the ecosystem, it's going to be great to learn from you and get this content out there. So uh, appreciate you for being with us today. Make sure y'all follow Donnell on social. Um, add him on LinkedIn. Follow Veterans Growing America, both on LinkedIn and uh, Instagram. And let's keep elevating the work he's doing. And for our listeners, make sure you subscribe to the Transition Newsletter at the link in the show notes. Feel free to reach out to me at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org or on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman to let me know what kind of content you're interested in me covering, either on the Transition Podcast or in the newsletter, which I haven't got out in a while. Also, make sure we get over to bunkerlabs.org, sign up for the newsletter there, get plugged into our programs. We got programs that'll take you from idea to invoice, incubate you, and position you to grow alongside other founders and CEOs. Until next week, everyone, Peace, love, and have a great rest of your week.